Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. He infected you. You didn't have to infect me. Living in his body, pretending to be him day in, day out. I was a better William than he was. William didn't die. He evolved. I am William. No, you're not. Well, if you can't tell the difference, does it matter? Hello, everyone, and welcome to Decoding TV, a podcast currently covering the HBO original series Westworld. I am David Chen. I'm Siddhant Adlaka. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Uh, so right off the top, I just want to remind everyone that we're now Decoding TV. And I mentioned this last week on the podcast, but uh, Decoding TV is now going to be covering other shows, hopefully year-round. But it heavily depends on whether people tune into the next episode. Uh, and our next episode is going to be about She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, which is a new series on Disney+. Plus. Um, Siddhanth and I are really excited about continuing Decoding TV. We hope you will stick around. And just to be clear, in terms of how this works, uh, it will just be on the same feed. So, like, don't you don't need to unsubscribe. You don't need to resubscribe to another thing. Just don't unsubscribe. That's all you need to do. Um, and so we'd really appreciate it if you kept it tuned in to Decoding TV uh, and listen to our next episode. We've, we've had such a great time chatting with each other and getting to know the folks in the audience for this show. And uh, we'd love to continue this thing year round. So please tune in to our next uh, She-Hulk recap podcast. Before we get to the episode, I have a big announcement today. Uh, and that is that I have launched a new website, decodingtv.com, which will house the premium versions of both this podcast and a cast of Kings. Now, if you're listening to this on the free feed, you know, through your uh, iTunes or your Spotify's or whatever, like it will, the show will continue to be free and that will not change. But if you want to sign up for a better premium experience with the podcast, which is going to include ad-free episodes, early access to episodes, the ability to comment on episodes, uh, then there is a new place for that at decodingtv.com. Uh, this used to be at my personal Patreon page at patreon.com slash Dave Chen. And uh, I am moving all my TV-related content from patreon.com slash Dave Chen to decodingtv.com. If you were a previous patron of mine uh, at $10 or above, I will give you a free trial to the new site. Uh, so just reach out to me via Twitter or Patreon or email at decodingtv at gmail.com uh, to get your free trial. But decodingtv.com is going to be the new place uh, where all the premium stuff happens and where you can support this show. So we hope you'll consider going to decodingtv.com. Um, it's pretty cool, like the way it's laid out. And you can subscribe to a cast of kings and you can subscribe to Decoding TV and get uh, all the, the private access to the, the members-only feed at the site. 
And I hope you'll consider it because we want to make this into a going concern that lasts year round and for a long time to come. And we really want you to help us to build it. So if you've enjoyed this show at any point in the past uh, couple months and you feel that you want us to continue doing what we're doing and you want to support us, very easy to do that by going to decodingtv.com. You know, Sadanf, uh, I've been covering TV via TV-related podcasts for many years, probably like a decade at this point. And I've never really mm-hmm. had one place that's going to house like just that stuff, you know? Uh, and decodingtv.com is that place. So I hope you'll consider joining and becoming a member and uh, you'll be supporting the show and us doing this long into the future. Um, it does take money to do the show. I, I pay all the people who I uh, podcast with. Um, and Zadath, we, we, we've upgraded your microphone recently, right? You're sounding pretty good today. I know. For those of you who can see me on video, can see the mic. And uh, for those of you who are just hearing me, you can probably tell the difference as well. I sound like a real podcaster. It sounds amazing. Sounds amazing. So <laughs> again, uh, decodingtv.com, uh, consider becoming a member and you will be supporting both this show and A Cast of Kings, getting a bunch of great benefits. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in to Decoding Westworld this season. It's only because we've gotten such a big audience and community that we feel uh, like something like this is even possible to attempt. So hope to see you over there on decodingtv.com. There is... Lots of exciting stuff coming, potentially, <laughs> if people join decodingtv.com. But like, there's a bunch of shows that we want to cover, and it's only going to be possible if people uh, become members of the website. So we hope to see you over there. Okay, uh, let's talk about some of the emails. On this week's episode of the podcast of Decoding TV, we're going to be covering Westworld Season 4, Episode 8, Kesarasara. And before we get to the episode, let's talk about some follow-ups, some emails from the previous weeks, okay? This email comes in from Chris Nye. And by the way, you can email us at decodingtv at gmail.com. Chris Nye writes in, I accept that the world is set in New York, but I really want to know what's going on outside. Is it possible that Seattle is free from host control? Fleepless in Seattle? Are we fleepless in Seattle? Sedan, do you think? Do you think we're fleepless we in Seattle? We absolutely are. No, I, I no question about it. Like the moment this suggestion came up, I'm like, you know what? This is this is canon now. It has to be. We Westworld is fleepless in Seattle, basically, is what you're trying to say. Obviously, yeah. Um, okay, this question slash comment comes in from Amelia, writing into decodingtv at gmail.com. Amelia writes, uh, hey, David Saddam, I've been watching Westworld since the very beginning, and I am yet since day one to meet another person who is watching the show, <laughs> which leads me to the question, how come Westworld hasn't been canceled? Season three was a flop of epic proportions, and yet the show remains and most of the cast haven't left. Personally, I think the writers went too far in trying to throw us a dummy, quote unquote, as frequently as possible, when season one had an excellent story to tell that could have been developed into a more realistic evolution of the Wyatt story. I think it's time to wrap the show up. There are too many loose ends, and the introduction of Caleb last season and Frankie this season feels ill-conceived and really a pointless storyline. Anyway, I will continue watching, but I find myself believing in a satisfying ending less and less with each passing week. Thanks for the great show. Greetings from sunny Netherlands. A couple of things I wanted to remark upon in this episode. Uh, I'm sorry, in this email. First of all, uh, there have been a lot of questions as to whether or not there's going to be a Westworld season Five. As far as we know, that has not yet been confirmed, right? I, I don't believe it has officially been confirmed that there's going to be Westworld Season 5. Many of the cast yeah, and crew we- have spoken about how there is a plan for a Season 5. Like, 
they they have a plan, like an outline for what season five will be. Um, and so, you know, like if there, if it was renewed, like there there would be something there. But uh, season five has not been officially uh, renewed yet. I think it's going to be a tough bet, Sadanth. Uh, it's it's a tough situation. It's probably on the bubble because the show is very expensive and and requires extensive logistical uh, planning. Uh, and certainly, uh, what we saw a, a, as to how this episode and season ended does not disabuse me of the notion that next season will also be very complicated to do. <laughs> um, and so, uh, and the ratings have not been great. You know, they've they've taken a significant hit. I will tell you that listenership for this podcast has fallen quite a bit since season one. Right, <laughs> so uh, still very substantial. You know, a lot of people listening to this, but. Uh, a much smaller group than than we started season one with, so I think it's a it's a hard sell for HBO to want to renew this. Now, of course, by the time <laughs> very possible by the time you are listening to this, it's the renewal has already been announced. But like at this moment, or the cancellation, or the cancellation, or the cancellation. At this point, it feels really dicey to me that there's going to be season five. Do you have any thoughts on on this matter, Sidanth? Well, I think the creators are clearly of that mind as well uh, that they don't know. Uh, whether or not the story is going to continue and, you know, not to jump the gun too much, but given the way this episode goes, I think, you know, once again, they're sort of hedging their bets, a kind of, uh, we'll see, maybe this is it, maybe it isn't. Um, really? You think, as you, for, you, you think this, this episode was a we'll see episode? I don't, I don't agree with that. We, we'll get to why. We'll get to why. <laughs> okay. Um, but no, I mean, there's, there are a lot of changes happening at, what is now Warner Brothers Discovery, uh, a lot of uh, HBO Max originals being taken off the site. Uh, the movie Batgirl, as you know, was canceled. Uh, that was supposed to be, at one point, an HBO Max original. So th- there are things that are constantly shifting behind the scenes. And, you know, Westworld is an expensive show. And granted, it's not an HBO Max exclusive thing it's hbo proper it airs on television but those ratings haven't been great compared to previous seasons either um so as far as we know shrug (laughs) indeed uh we will see and i'm really now i'm really curious what you think about this episode um one last (laughs) one last thing i want to mention before we get to the actual episode uh which is just that uh I am going to upload all video versions of our conversations to YouTube, and you can find that at decodingtv.com/slash/youtube. So, um, if you like, I had started uploading with my personal YouTube channel, and I was like, oh, I want like a more formal place for these videos. I don't just want to put them on my personal YouTube channel. So, uh, the plan is for every one of our conversations to go on YouTube at decodingtv.com/slash/youtube, unless there is a catastrophic technical problem. Um, so if you're watching this, it means we made it. <laughs> we made it. <laughs> All right. Season four, episode eight. Kesarasara. What do you think about this episode overall, Sadant? The season finale of Westworld. Well, first of all, the title basically translates to whatever will be, will be. You know, I, I guess we'll see. And uh, I wonder if... That also carries over to how the writers feel about whether or not they'll have another season. Hmm. Much to think about. <laughs> um, but before we get to that, 
You know, I, I've been I've been really positive on the way this season has gone so far. Yes, we. we I think no one can deny that it, we have been very complimentary of a lot of the decisions made in this season so far, right? And David, you and I have not spoken in at in any sort of detail about our thoughts on this episode. No, yet. this is the first exposure we have to our thoughts. Okay, I, I don't know how you felt about it just yet, but whew, I was not a fan. <laughs> It was pretty rough. I think this episode yeah. was pretty rough. The season finale was not great. Um, messy at best. And yeah. and bad at worst. <laughs> and here's the thing. When it comes to a season finale or a series finale, we don't know whether this is one of those yet. But when it comes to a finale, like, I have to temper myself. I have to ask myself, okay, how much of my reaction is based purely on what I was expecting versus what I got. Mm-hmm. And usually I'm really good about that. And of course, you know, this time there were certain things that I thought the show might do that it maybe didn't, maybe did. I'm still not entirely sure. But I think even divorced from that, even divorced from my understanding of where I thought it was going, um, I just think it was a really, like you said, a really rough episode to get through. Um, like I like, I really like that opening scene. But from then on, it is... It is so much of it is just characters explaining things to each other that we already know mm-hmm. and not explaining anything new. Well, not only that, but like bringing back old characters for no apparent reason at all to do things, you know, like that's yeah. that's a huge problem with this episode as well. But I think the problem can best be summed up by the following email from Brian Luria in Tampa, Florida. Who writes into decodingtv at gmail.com. I took note that William, the man in black, uh, shoots all three hosts from last episode's slightly off-center, which hypothetically means the pearl is still good to go. Now, Brian wrote that email in days ago before this episode actually aired. Uh, And when I heard that, I'm like, huh, huh. Like, um, wow, that'd be pretty disappointing if that was what happened. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, um, but 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 also it wouldn't surprise me if that was what happened. That would be classic Westworld, right? Um, and because the Man in Black murders three hosts last episode, uh, Bernard, Maeve, and Charlotte, uh, Charloris, right? So it's like, okay, um, I, I guess all three of them are dead, maybe? Um, but what would certainly be terrible uh Siddhanth, is if only one of them came back and the other two did not for no good reason. That would that would certainly be unforgivable as a storytelling de- device, wouldn't you say? That would certainly be a bit of a cop-out to do it one episode later. <laughs> Indeed. Can you Indeed. imagine if they did that? I, not only am I imagining it, I think it's almost certain. Well, I mean... You know, we'll we'll discuss it. <laughs> we'll, we'll discuss it. You know, but but it seems very possible that those characters will come back later, uh, based on what we see at the end of this show. So, no comment. <laughs> okay. Well, let's talk about let's talk about the case for this episode. You know, rather than I mean, there, there's a, there's a few plot lines, right? There's Man in Black. There's Charloris. They kind of go on. A, they, they kind of converge, right? There's the Christina mm-hmm. Teddy storyline, which is kind of just treading water for most of it, in my opinion. Uh, And like, just just explaining things to you via exposition. And then there is the Caleb Frankie Stubb storyline. So those are like basically the three storylines. 
Um, but mm-hmm. l- let's talk about the case for this episode, right? What, what do we like about this episode? Now, I will start by saying I thought the opening scene was pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. It looked expensive. It looked like that scene cost like half a million dollars for just this one scene, <laughs> which, by the way, from my perspective, was almost completely unnecessary to the actual plot of the show. Like, it, it, yes, you're, you're showing like mayhem, you know, hosts killing um, humans, humans killing hosts, you know, like I, I but first of all, we already kind of saw that last episode. So it's like, I don't know why they needed to stage an entirely new set piece. Except they mm-hmm. did bring back – so this episode, they did bring back a lot of the host actors from season one of the mm-hmm. show, right? Including, as you refer to him, Wolverine-looking guy. <laughs> um, he is a host from uh, the first season of the show. Uh, we saw later also like uh, another host from the first season of the show uh, encounters William the Man in Black. And so like it's kind mm-hmm. of um, – it felt kind of a swan song style in that way because it's like, oh, maybe like this is the last time you're ever going to see these people again, right? Like, so we're we're bringing everyone back for one last ride. Um, but yeah, all those I, all those characters that you definitely remember, <laughs> whose names you definitely remember and were crucial to the plot. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I, I thought the opening scene was pretty awesome, uh, yeah. and you know, just like a cool action set piece. Um, well done, like really yeah. amazing sort of production design, set dressing, like it all looked great. I love the sound design of it too, the way the bullets seem to be screaming through the air. Mm. Yeah, and William says at the end, you know, you know the rules, winner takes all, I, I guess. Oh, mm-hmm. my favorite part of this whole episode was actually William killing this sniper guy. Mm-hmm. And he says, he says, quote, fucking camper, which by the way, if you've ever played a video game, Camper is a very video game specific term. Are you oh. familiar? No, I've never played a video game. So a camper is basically somebody who do you say you've never played a video game? Come on, sir. <laughs> I've I've played I've played the Godfather game, as we know. <laughs> uh if you're if you're a patron. But yes, um a camper is a term for somebody who waits in one location that is high traffic and they just pick off people. Uh, who like run through that area? So it's a very very video game, and they're they are generally despised. Um, so, so much to the point where, honestly, you will get, like I have played many video games where I'm like getting a legit kill. I'm getting a legit kill. like I, I I ran to a place and I took that, took out the gun and shot someone in the head, and then people will say fucking camper. I'm like I wasn't camping. I, I was just playing the game. You know, like it's used as a very harsh pejorative in video games. So is that not what and and. You know, I know that, you know, real life and video games aren't the same thing, but is that not what you would do in real life? And like <laughs> to so maximize your chances of survival, out, you mean? Yeah. I'm just trying to figure out why it's looked down upon in the game, because it makes it like less fun, less fair. Yeah, well, because if you're the person getting assassinated in the game, like it's uh it really is frustrating because you're like you it, it happens when you like walk into a room and you get shot in the head. Like you, you know what I'm saying? Like Typically, you're like engaging with someone. There's back and forth. You're trading bullets back and forth. You know, you encounter someone from far away. You see them, da da da. As opposed to you walk in a room and you die, and it's because someone was just sitting there the whole time. You know, it's less fun for the know. person who's getting shot. So it sounds like the the campo was right. I don't know. It sounds like the campo was smart. Wow, Sadanth, um, do not join me in Call of Duty. That's what I've learned this episode. Um, Fair enough. <laughs> So, anyway, uh, any other thoughts on the opening scene before we move on to these other plot lines? Unnecessary, but fun. Really well put together. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I let's save the Christina Teddy stuff for the end because mm-hmm. uh, it's how the, the episode literally ends. Mm-hmm. I think we can dispose of the Caleb Frankie Stubb storyline pretty quickly, though, right? Yeah, let's let's get it out of the way. So Caleb Frankie Stubbs, uh, they <laughs> they're on the way to escape the city. The the, the entire Caleb Frankie Stubb storyline is Caleb and Frankie have some father daughter bonding moments. I mm-hmm. still wish the show had more time to explore the idea of Frankie encountering a Frankie has been fighting machines her whole life. Right, mm-hmm. uh, and she's now encountered a machine that has her dad's consciousness or some version of it in it. It's obviously mm-hmm. failing because, as, as you know, we see in this episode, right? They have still not successfully been able to implant human consciousness into machines. Uh, something about the programming doesn't take, which is really interesting that they're kind of decades later. Uh, they're still kind of holding to that idea. I think again, a lot of this season has to do with like. What's the difference between humans and hosts? Um, what's the difference between having a body and not having a body? Like these are all things mm-hmm. that the episodes and the series has tried to explore. Um, and so I'm a bit bummed that she just kind of like accepts that. Uh, you, you know, think of like um, Sarah Connor in Terminator 2. Like it took her a while mm. before she's like, hey, I'm okay having a machine who – tried to murder me a bunch of times and looks exactly like the same as the guy who murdered, tried to murder me. I'm okay. Like mm-hmm. teaming up with this thing. Right. I, but she needed to be won over. And I think it would have actually been like dramatically interesting for her to kind of need to be won over. Instead, they kind of just like accept that. Oh, yeah. you know, he's a machine with my dad's consciousness and I'm cool with that. Uh, and so that, that's a bit of a bummer, but I do think like the acting from both actors is pretty solid and, it's nice that they kind of there, – there's this emotional catharsis that they, they get to have time together. And like it, it invites you to imagine what it would be like if you didn't get to see your child grow up. But then all of a sudden you – like you went to sleep for you know three hours and then all of a sudden they had grown by like 20 years. Like that would be like yeah. really mind-blowing and I think Aaron Paul p- plays it pretty well. For sure. Um, again, like like yeah. from a basic emotional standpoint, like, you know, family reunion. Oh, I missed you. Like that sort of melodrama, it works, uh, even though, you know, it does the Westworld thing of not fully committing to its sci-fi ideas, even though those ideas are sort of hovering in the background. Like you said about the the clash between, you know, her father being the most important human in her life and her spending her whole life fighting machines. And what if the thing that she loves the most and misses the most yeah. and the thing that she hates the most, what if those yes. you know, are combined into Super one Super interesting ideas yeah. to potentially explore. But instead of that, we get uh, Clementine coming in and murdering everyone. <laughs> yeah, that's another – like Clementine, she's been around in the background of this season and I guess all of a sudden in episode eight they decide, oh, yeah, she's an important character now. <laughs> Um, a lot of this episode kind of felt that way. Like it yeah. was, uh, it was the finale to a season that didn't actually happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The same way, you know, the rise of Skywalker felt like a sequel to a movie that didn't exist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hey, Sinan, can you do me a favor? Uh, I'm getting a little bit of audio leakage from your um... Sinan. I actually think you're giving it a little too much credit because. The, your description would make like the Clementine thing certainly fits that description. Like, why are we spending time with Clementine at this point in this in the show? Like, 
it makes no sense because the the rest of the season has done nothing to explain what's going on with Clementine. It does feel like a like a piece of plot that was like cut from from the season. Like Clementine's plot was cut from the season. It feels like right. Hold um, on. Did you say I'm giving it too much credit by comparing it to the Rise of Skywalker? <laughs> yes, because I feel like the re- the rest of the episode there's stuff that is arguably like completely pointless. Like again, like the opening scene with William, you know, uh this other scene with William where he encounters these guys in the middle of the forest. Like n- none of that stuff even needed to happen at all. Like that that doesn't feel like the end of um you know, uh uh, the end of a show that we weren't watching it's, it felt more like what what are we doing here like why are we you, you don't even need to do like william and and charloris are going to have an encounter like just get get to that point we already know that william's all messed up in the head and he likes killing people like we don't need to spend more time on that you know what i mean um in my opinion or, or at least you don't need two of those scenes do you know what i mean like i don't know why we needed all that so Anyway, uh, the whole Clementine thing is like a, a massive disappointment. It, it actually, honestly, I feel like would have been more satisfying potentially if it was uh, a either Charloris, uh that kind of comes in and messes with them on her way out the door, mm-hmm. or it was just some complete rando that like you know like. But it, it just felt like what was the point of introducing Clementine? She kills Stubbs, which is really sad. Very unceremonious death for Stubbs. And then Clementine herself is murdered. So it's like, what was the point of that? Like, why couldn't you, why couldn't Stubbs have just been murdered on their way out? Of, you know, like, it felt like they wanted to give Clementine something to do, but this is a very clunky way to do it. What do you think? Yeah, it, it felt for a moment when I was trying to justify it to myself, <laughs> like, okay, so they're setting up, um, you know, a future plot line about Clementine trying to find the surviving humans and, infil- excuse me, infiltrate. Ah, sorry, this is the 279th version of me, so it's glitching up <laughs> out of it. The infiltrate mm-hmm. the humans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then she dies. And it's like, there's the... And, and you know, Frankie is trying to find out... Frankie pretends not to have a bullet, I assume because she wants to know what Clementine's plan is. <laughs> but, like, that... Why? It's so, it's so, and then she's like, I forgot to tell you, I have one bullet left, which I would have, I was trying to think like, was that a callback to something from earlier? Because she says it in such a significant way, you know, I'm like, is it, are they, have they been talking about bullets all season in a way that I didn't know about? You know, like, and, and the thing is, even if, you know, Frankie is trying to find out what Clementine's plan is, and that's why she doesn't shoot her. You know, why wait a full couple of minutes for Clementine to beat the shit out of your dad before shooting her in the head? And uh, good shot, center shot, so we know Clementine is dead. Do we? Stubbs, not really sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, I yeah. never know how to feel when I see a host, quote unquote, die, even though Stubbs is my favorite character. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he gets like stabbed brutally through the eye and just like, oh, all right, maybe, maybe, maybe he's maybe he's dead. I don't know. <laughs> that's yeah. becoming a problem yeah yeah uh it, it, it's it's like the whole time i'm like why why is any of this happening why clementine why is she saying you were wrong i have one bullet left i was maybe if that was a line that a host had used earlier in the season you mm-hmm. know it, it, it would have been satisfying if like a host had killed her friend earlier and was like Oh, like you, you don't have one bullet. I have one bullet. And then she like brings the line back, you know, like, 
that would see make what I sense. Mean about this, yeah. See what I mean about this feeling like it was the finale to a different season that didn't happen. And it's just it's just like so weird because you as the viewer are just trying to like help the show out by like you know giving all these justifications when uh it's tough it's tough so okay and then frank and caleb like say goodbye at the dock and it's actually kind of emotional um Mm -hmm. caleb says your father died long ago whatever i am i've died before this isn't so bad i got to live every parent's greatest dream i got to see my child grow up end quote i mean regardless of how ridiculous the plot machinations are it is a little bit emotional yeah yeah yeah. All right. We we can we can be done with Caleb finally. I like him. I like Aaron Paul. But if you know Westworld continues and there's no more Caleb, I'm not really gonna be too torn up about it. Wow, you were much more positive on the Caleb train not too long ago, and now you're you're off the Caleb I, train. It seems. I, I let's let's say like regardless of how I feel about his you know role in the show so far, I do feel his final scene was satisfying enough mm-hmm. that I can, you know, again, internally justify it to myself as satisfying rather than me not caring. So I don't, I don't think we're going to see Caleb again in Westworld. If, if there is a Westworld season five, I don't think we're going to see him. So, mm-hmm. um, so we'll see. Okay. So the other stuff, um, Charloris survives the bullet going through her head because I guess it missed the pearl. And then these guys kind of come and they bring her body and they reanimate her, which is kind of cool. And she's like, make me stronger. I'm like, oh my gosh, are they going to give her some like ultra powered, like mech suit body? No, it's just Tessa Thompson's (laughs) body, which is very impressive, which is a very impressive, you know, she's obviously an impressive uh, person physique, but uh, she looks exactly the same, except she's slightly more uh, resistant to knife uh, stabbings. That's kind of the she has she has gloves now. She has gloves now, and she could get stabbed. Uh, bullets apparently still potentially harmful, but like you know, knife stabbings are are okay. I mean, they give her one of the kind of old school bodies, basically, right? Like from um, like first gen bodies that have the metallic. You know, the new mm-hmm. bodies are like mo- like flesh and blood more, and the, those old ones are metallic. So, um, and she's like, "Leave me my scars, so the makeup people don't need to do a whole new thing with this one." <laughs> <laughs> but she's got gloves on anyway, so you don't really see the scars for the mm-hmm. rest of the episode. Mm-hmm. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. So then what does she do? She kind of like goes to the – she finds the Bernard message. We, we learned that the Bernard message was intended for her. And then she stomps on the virtual city. And then we learn that basically like the Christina mind pearl is underneath it all. And she kind of extracts it. Mm-hmm. And we later learn that that is the it is a mind pearl of like a storyteller mind pearl, 
is kind of yeah. what it is said on the on the computer screen. Um and the reason why she extracts the Christina mind pearl, we later learn. So, I mean, there's a lot of scenes sit on. There's a lot of time that passes. But really what happens is she encounters William again. They have a fight. And then uh, Charloris wins the fight. Like, that's that's basically what happens. And she kind of puts the mind pearl in to the sublime so that – Something can happen. Like I, I wasn't exactly sure. The I, what we have heard from previous episodes is that um, they are trying to save a piece of this. Like the world is doomed, everyone's screwed, but they're trying to save a piece of this world for the future. And that Christina slash the storyteller is somehow key to that. What do you think is actually going on here? Do Do you have a sense of what what the explanation is? Sorry, to those of you who are just listening and aren't watching this on video, you have just missed my my face just <laughs> dropping entirely, just just <laughs> thinking about this stuff. Um, so what basically happens with Charloris over the course of this episode is, okay, so Bernard records a message with some instructions at the end of the previous episode. Yes. And this episode ends with Charloris just kind of following those instructions. Not really instructions, but sort of really just following his instructions. Mm-hmm. Um you know, it doesn't help that we find we find out her like motivation for this episode only towards the end. It also really doesn't help that we still don't know what her whole deal was this season when it comes to transcendence. Like I thought I thought I had an explanation last week and again, uh I gave the show a bit too much credit. Um what, what, what is, is bizarre? Know, what is says, bizarre is for a show that has so much exposition. I don't think we ever got like a Charloris sits down and explains exactly all the details of her plan. Like that yeah, never happened this season, right? Because William even says transcendence. You were playing the wrong game. Okay, but what? What was the, the game? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> what was the game that she was playing? <laughs> and then, and then you know, some of her. I guess her final words are like uh, a test run by her if she chooses to. If I choose to give her a chance, and I do, I choose to give her the chance. I hope she takes. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like I get. Okay, I get it. All right, you gotta do another Westworld. Okay, but like, where is this coming from? From a character standpoint, yes. What is motivating? You know, it? like, yeah. like. I get that these are the instructions that Bernard has left as, as like an option for like, you know, digital life, virtual life continuing in some sense, because they talk about like the world ending. Oh, humans are going to be extinct in a couple of months. Like, what? What? Why? How? What are you talking? Again, what are you talking about? All we've seen in this show, all we know about this premise is that New York, this one city has, you know, fallen, has, you know, devolved into mayhem. Is this happening in the other parks uh, or the other cities in the world? Is it just look? Is it just you know relegated to this one? Uh, what about the outliers? Like, are they dying? What like again? If you're talking about like something long term, like hundreds, thousands, millions of years from now, you know, sentient life, biological life is going to be gone, but we're still going to be here. That's different. But they they mention explicitly like, oh, all the humans are going to be dead in a couple of months, huh? <laughs> what? I'm sorry. What? Which? Like we've clearly missed something. We've something has. Like again. Well, I it, guess. I guess the idea. The idea is that. Seen. The idea is that like this city is the world. I guess. 
and you know mm. assume assume that like everyone who's like 99% of the remaining human and host population is in this city right which as we've already discussed contains landmarks from multiple major cities in our real reality right now right so this is like the every city it's like the mega city that has all the cities in it and assume that like William has turned everyone against each other so like everyone's going to be dead because everyone's killing themselves and so on right but, but here's the thing. At one point, at one point, Shaloris in previous episode makes this announcement that is broadcast to other hosts who run other cities. Mm. Right? She says that you know we're going to be shutting down your cities, all your cities, and I think like it, that's meant to imply that there are other cities like this all over the world. And I think we we see another one of those cities um, in that flashback where Frankie is young and they rescue mm. Jay. Yeah. That's not New York. That's a different city. Mm. Um, and so, well, I got I got nothing for you there. To, I got nothing for you, Saddam. Yeah, <laughs> I, I guess we're meant to assume that this is happening there too. But are all these cities controlled by this one tower? Or is it just this one city? I, this, I th- it would just it would just help me figure out what. <laughs> Shaloris's plan is right, what her objective right. is what's right. going on with her as a character. Well, to be fair, to be fair, Sadanth, I, I can't believe you're making me defend the show. Um, oh my god! I think I think the broad strokes of Shaloris's plan are obvious, right? Like she uh, is trying to create a utopia, and she failed. Now, what was that utopia yeah. going to look like, and why precisely did she fail? I think those questions are up in the air, right? Yeah. Uh I have some sense of I have some sense of what the answers are. Like, okay, what was the utopia going to consist of? It was going to be hosts running everything, humans uh subjugated to them, uh potentially people in transcended bodies or their minds are in the cloud or whatever, like you know, it was going to be that something having to do with that. Um and why did she fail? It's because uh hosts like hanging around humans too much. Right, like, and the humans infected them in various ways, including obviously the biggest infection of all, William infecting his host self. Right, and but, and and so it's so it, it's meant to be like a Shakespearean tragic, like hoisted by my own petard kind of. Yeah, you know, I, I get the broad strokes. I think the execution yeah. is really lacking. Right, so yeah, yeah, and I think you know even even some of what you said, I'm a little conflicted about just because. I, I don't think whatever her plan was still involved humans. I think she also mentions that, you know, the, the hosts in human cities and in physical bodies are, you know, a stepping stone to what comes next. But what comes next is not like, is it a sublime like thing? But it's not, you know what? <sighs> Forget it. <laughs> I, I don't, <sighs> I'm malfunctioning again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, William's dead now. <laughs> Yeah, and I guess um, Bernard left her a gun, and she uh, went pew pew. Yeah, I think that was probably meant to be like way more satisfying than it was because I remember watching the episode where Bernard leaves her the gun, and he like kind of crouches back, and I'm like, oh, he's just mm-hmm. gonna leave something that's gonna come into play for the future. Um, mm-hmm. But let's just say, you know, M Night Shyamalan signs you are not. I'm gonna put that out there. Like this is not mm-hmm. like a swing away situation. Uh, it, it wasn't very satisfying when uh, she. Fi- it's like, oh, guess what? He stashed the gun there, and that you know, like I, I think you're supposed to be as a viewer. They the the showrunners want you to feel like, oh my gosh, so cool, you know. But I did not have that reaction. It's just kind of like, oh, it could have just yeah, yeah. It it could have just been her own gun, 
and it would have like not made the slightest difference whether or not Bernard had left that gun there. You you need something to be more elaborate than that if it's going to be like he had to predict like eighteen other things that might have had you know for it to be like oh interesting like and those things need to be thematically interesting it can't just be he's predicting yeah. actual events you know like yeah, yeah and just like purely from a thematic standpoint if you are setting up a story where you know bernard and shaloris have had some kind of interaction and there's and you establish that okay shaloris does not trust bernard because their perspectives are so opposed to each other you know you kind of do have that again like Again, hovering somewhere in the background, we know kind of what Shaloris wants. We sort of know what Bernard wants, but there's nothing that would have suggested that you know, had Bernard left this gun in these instructions two episodes ago, that Shaloris wouldn't have followed them. You know, mm-hmm. that she wouldn't have done this. Like, it's not like right, right. It's just her reaching out to pick up a gun. It's not her reaching out to, you know to turn her back on her previous right view. right she doesn't have a choice there anyway because everything's kind of screwed i mean i mean t- to some degree the case for the gun reaching is that like by killing william she's kind of she's making the decision of like agreeing to bernard's plan right she could just I, the alternative i guess is she could just let herself die right you know what i'm saying um, and so the- thematically, like self-preservation is like a vote for Bernard's plan um, and kind of a vote okay. for killing her own creation. But I-, I would agree that it doesn't feel as satisfying as I think they wanted it to feel. Yeah, because the thing is, like in previous episodes, even though we haven't been fully clear on her plan, what transcendence is, all that, it was still really intriguing to watch. It was always, you know, uh, you-, you could always tell what was on uh, Charles mind because – Tessa Thompson was just so delightful and mm-hmm. megalomaniacal, but underneath that, there was this sense of longing that, you know, I, I need a place, my people need a place, and I need to be the one to create it at any cost. In this, maybe I missed something. Maybe I did. But I will say that it doesn't really feel like at any point we are along for the ride with her. Because anyway, we mm-hmm. don't find out what her plan is until the very end. But you know, when when she's just kind of moping around in the chopper for a bit, I couldn't really get a sense of what it was that she was going through emotionally. Right, right. Because she doesn't seem to have a really strong reaction to seeing her world go up in flames either, other than just, huh, I'm annoyed with William. <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. I mean, we probably got that reaction like a couple episodes ago when she was on the roof and like, her arm started bleeding, you know, that that was kind of that mm-hmm. moment, I, I think. But yeah, we, we are, she is weirdly inaccessible, this episode, as a character, I yeah. think, you know? I, I don't get why she does what she does at the very end when she kills herself. I do not understand that in the slightest. Yeah, I mean, I got nothing, man. I got nothing. I I think I am disappointed in this episode because... This show is notorious for doing like tons of exposition dumps, like explaining everything to to a degree that I don't I think is too much. And there's mm-hmm. so much that is actually unexplained in this episode, right? Like, why does Charloris decide to kill herself? Um, what is what is? I actually am not to this moment. I'm still not a hundred percent sure what's going on with Christina. Um, so we know that Christina mm-hmm. is a 
program that kind of inhabits it, it's it's a cool she, it's like the idea is cool she's like this digital program that like inhabits the world she can interact with people people can interact with her but she's not physically there that's like a cool idea that's what i thought it was last week if you recall but yeah. this week kind of gave me a different sense of it i think no i think that's still i think that's still accurate um but what is also clear is like the people around her, including Teddy and including um, Maya, are all just Christina projections. And it's not clear like who around her is a Christina projection. Like, is her boss a Christina projection? Like, it's unclear. Yeah. Um, but but anyway, a lot of these people are Christina projections, right? And so that that part yeah. seems pretty clear to me. What do you have any thoughts on that? Or um, so the sense I got when it comes to maybe this doesn't make that much of a difference, but the mechanics of it, what I got last week was, oh, you know, she somehow exists out in the real world. Her, you know, digital consciousness is in some way projected into the physical world. Mm. I think just purely from a mechanical standpoint, it's actually the opposite. It is that the real world is then turned into like this 3D like map and she's interacting with that Mm -hmm. because, you know, she's located like under that you know red projection of it right so i guess you know there's not that much of a yeah, a, yeah. a difference really like she so, know, certainly the show doesn't seem to be really concerned with the mechanics of it and i, I don't think we're yeah, ever, yeah. based on how, what happens at the end of this episode i don't think we're ever going to find out like how it actually quote-unquote worked so whatever yeah, i'm yeah. i'm i guess the only reason i find myself then questioning that is then okay if if that's the case if we don't actually have any kind of mechanic in this world for you know uh, a being to exist both virtually and physically, then that throws the whole like transcendence thing for a loop. Like I, ju- I don't understand what's happening with that, you know, cause in my mind, those two things were connected mm-hmm. and maybe that was me jumping to conclusions and, you know, like you've mentioned giving the show too much credit. So <laughs> I'll, I'll say that's on me. Um, I was able to follow what was happening with the Christina stuff, mostly because she basically just turns to the camera and like explains all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like, well, uh, I was creating all of this myself to reveal the secrets to myself. It was me the whole time. Like, that's nice, I guess. Um, it doesn't, like, at the end of it, I, I didn't really get anything out of it. Like, this this so-called twist. You know, it. if anything, it made things less interesting. I think when you get to the end of the Christina storyline, my, my reaction is like, what what was the point of all that? Like, what... Yeah. What, what were we supposed to take away from Christina's journey this season? What The journey well, that she, she goes on this season is basically just realizing what she is. That's the whole journey, you know? There's nothing yeah. really beyond that. Um, we, and Yeah, go ahead. Which is not all that different from, like, the first season, but in this, it's a... in the, They don't do anything with it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it ends in the same place that season three ends, which is like, oh, I see the beauty in the world. Again, that's again, that's very nice. Okay, you see the beauty in the world, but like n- now what? You know, it, it you know, I was at first thrilled with the fact that season 4 kind of felt like a soft reboot, but it feels now that we've reached the end of it, now again it feels like, oh, so now the story is going to begin now that we've Actually, this is where all our cards are on the table. This is where we sort of kind of explain what's really going on, but there's no real point to it other than, well, here's what happens next. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, I would agree with that. And I will say, though, Siddhant, that in my favor, 
Uh, I did call that that tree was really weird looking and going to and probably going to be significant later, and it was. Huh? Remember that tree from episode one or two? Yeah, there you go. Give me that applause. That's right. You did it. Thank you. Um, <laughs> you called that something was not what it seemed in Westworld. But yeah, she kind of like talks about Maya. Kind of talks about the tree, and we only see part of it. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, Sidant, I think you and I are both pretty disappointed that. Academy Award winning actress Ariana DeBose, you know, is a <laughs> mental projection of Evan Rachel Wood, which her, who herself is a mental projection, you know? Yeah. And hey, if you thought it was weird and unaddressed that, you know, uh, a white host consciousness ends up in, you know, a, a black host body in the form of Shaloris, <laughs> how weird is it that, you know, just she, like, Christina just makes up like a black best friend? <laughs> That doesn't seem to be based on any real person. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, oh, maybe man. it's a commentary on the black best friend trope in uh, TV shows. Do you, you ever think of that? Oh, I'm Sinan? sure that's what it is. Yeah, I, I, I didn't. I should have. I'm sorry. I think that what I'm saying is I don't even get what Christina, like, what is Christina at this point? Like. Is she a so, copy of Dolores that was in the system? Is she a version of Dolores that was in the system programmed to do storytelling? Like no one ever really sat down and explained it, right? So what, yeah, what is see, your I think my understanding of that is somewhat clear, but uh, I find myself second guessing just because I thought I was clear on a lot of things last week. Yeah. I'm assuming that this is whatever she is, you know, she is created from, you know, uh, the pearl of the Dolores that we were following through season three, who, you know, who died, who died at by, the end of season yeah, three. Yeah. Basically died, but you know, she has some residual memory, some residual consciousness. Yeah. You, you, when you say now, all this, so you're just making all this up. Like no one ever explained oh, for this sure. to you, right? Yeah. No for one sure, ever said, sure. but, but yeah, the okay. fact that, but the fact that Christina sees Dolores yes. as we know her yeah. in that dress, uh, she becomes it goes back to season one with the idea of the bicameral mind. You have your you know your conscious consciousness, but you have this voice talking to you, you know, which could be your own voice, could be the voice of God. And in this case, it is it seems to be uh the remnants of Dolores that are manifesting as uh Teddy, the the beta guy who had previously died her boss, Maya. Uh, it makes sense when it comes to Teddy because Teddy, you know, was a person who existed, right? So to speak, a host that existed. The others is just sort of like, I'm going to make make up stuff that's unconnected mm-hmm. to everything else. Like, Because finding out those people weren't real is like, oh, okay. Finding out Teddy's not real, like you, you kind of see it coming because, yeah. you know, Christina has this realization, oh, I made up everyone, but, doesn't think that she made up Teddy in that moment. <laughs> it's like, it's right there. Well, it's like... Chrissy, it's, it's right there. It's kind of like robots, like, why did you program me to feel pain? Like, why Why did you... Why does your version of Teddy need to experience horror at the fact that he doesn't exist? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> he's like, wait, I'm not here, am I? And it's like, why would you make a version of Teddy that is, like, sad that he doesn't exist, Christina? Come on. But but Ms. anyway... Abernathy, I don't feel so good. I agree that she seems to be some version of Dolores. I'm just stunned that we got to the end of eight episodes and there was no, like, succinct, clear explanation of how Christina slash Dolores survived at the end of season three. Like, that's, it's just like... Yeah, and... 
I, I'm, I'm shocked. Is, I'm not even. I'm not even concerned with a succinct explanation. I just want to feel like there was some kind of emotional point to it beyond mm-hmm. her realizing, oh, this is what's really going on. Yeah. Like it's a slow unraveling that leads to nothing. It's like if. <laughs> You know, and spoilers for The Sixth Sense. Yes. It's like if we find out at the end of The Sixth Sense that, oh, you know, he was, you know, a ghost the whole time, but he never had a wife. It's not about, you know, his marriage having fallen apart. He's just a guy who's just walking through the world. Ha ha, I'm alive. Oh, no, I'm dead. Yeah, yeah. It's like, not emotionally. There, there's nothing emotionally satisfying about Christine. It's and I think it's honestly because the show is too ambitious, you know, which is like not a terrible thing. But they they wanted to tell some big story with Christina probably, and then they got to the end and they're like, oh, we don't really, they don't really have anything. Like they don't have, the the goods aren't there when it comes to the Christina storyline and like her emotional arc. Now she does make a very shocking decision at the end of the episode. She's like, we're going to do one final test, a game of my own making, a dangerous game. <laughs> and so she she is uploaded to the Sublime by Charloris, who Charloris like kills herself. I guess. And then Christina recreates Westworld inside of the Sublime, I guess, is kind of my sense of what's going yeah, on. Yeah, right? I, I- I don't really get what's happening from a broader perspective. Like, okay, new game. This game is a test of something, maybe survival, maybe evolution. But the fact is, okay, we're we're just kind of going back to the beginning. Whatever happens next, if anything happens next, is going to resemble what we've seen before. And that's why I think this is, you know, the, uh, the creator sort of hedging their bets. Because if you can take things forward... Great, you take it forward in a familiar form. Uh, if you can't, then you've closed the loop in an, I guess, an interesting way. Just, just from standpoint of, hey, if you watch the show from beginning to end, assuming season four is the end, and then you start episode one again, you are at you, you're back at the beginning of a loop. I like that as like a thematic mirror. I, I'm not like emotionally satisfied by it, um, but after the after the episode, I went back and watched the opening scenes of season one and some appear to be like recreated almost shot for shot or maybe it's even the same footage. So yeah, yeah like, I, like maybe- I, I can guarantee you my sense was that they used footage from season one and then they digitally inserted Evan Rachel Wood into it because she looks really weird. Like it's pretty, it's pretty mm-hmm. close, but it's not perfect. Yeah. Um, like there's, there's also an establishing shot of the train. Um, yeah appearing uh, as it rides through the mountains and it's it's they use a very similar shot in the first episode except this time there's no train and then it materializes yeah so yeah. in a sense she is recreating a world that is you know like she says from her memory yes um so for for what purpose for what yeah. end we don't know test dangerous game mystery <laughs> beautifully said Sadanth. beautifully said yeah. um um, so, hey, you know, if you wanted to, you could watch the whole show and then start from the beginning and be like, this is, you know, season one, episode one is just season five, episode one. Yeah, I think um, the core. Yeah, that's cool, I guess. I'm very disappointed at this outcome because, first of all, like yeah. we, we don't I, I don't even think this does a good job of setting up what the stakes are for next season. Like they don't even, as you said dangerous game for what like uh, my sense is based on from the rest of the show like humanity survival will be at stake right like that's 
my guess, based on what's happened this season, is humanity survival will be at stake. Or civilization survival will be at stake, is my guess, right? But that's never clearly articulated. Yeah. And and I'd be okay with them kind of being cagey about what's coming next season if they had done a good if they had done a better job of explaining everything that happened this last season and closing that all out. Because I think we're probably going to get very little of that next season. I think like it's this season is done and the next thing will be a whole new scenario. So yeah. yeah. And I think look, if what we saw in this episode had either made emotional sense mm-hmm. or logistical sense, I would have at least found myself with a slight bit of optimism. If, you know, it made logistical and emotional sense, like some of the previous episodes mostly have, I would have been thrilled because that's the perfect, you know, marriage of what this show is. But it didn't make sense either way. It, you know, it was things being half explained, um, but not in a way that tells you what's going on externally or internally, what's going on plot wise or emotionally. It's just things happen because certain storylines need to end. And I guess they need to set up certain new ones. Yeah. Maybe. I, I think the showrunners must have taken the advice to heart too much about not having too much exposition in the show. But you, they took it too far this time because now – But at the same time, the episode was nothing but exposition. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So here's the question. If there is a Westworld Season 5, which, by the way, I'm very doubtful of because Westworld Season 1 and 2 was like expensive. It's expensive to – bring a bunch Mm -hmm. of equipment out to the middle of the desert, you know, and like (laughs) hire actors and take them out of the middle of the desert. Like that's expensive to do. If there is a Westworld season five with things back in the park again, or a imagined recreation of it, like, is that something you'd be looking forward to? Like, what, what do you, what do you think? Does that intrigue you in any way? I'd be curious to see where they go with it because, um, it's, you know, since the first season, it's come so far from what it was conceptually that in the fifth season, it would hypothetically both be returning to exactly what it was, but also it will be further away from its initial concept than it has ever been. It will both be a show taking place in Westworld and also presumably a show where a lot of it, if not all of it would also be taking place entirely virtually, Mm -hmm. you know? So I'm, I'm more curious than, you know, looking forward to it, so to speak. But I think there's one question that they really have to answer here if they want to continue Westworld. And that's, look, this is, you know, it's always been a show about, in some way, you know, not just consciousness, but life and death. And, you know, Teddy says at the end that, oh, there's another version of me somewhere out here. And we also don't know for sure whether or not Stubbs dies, but let's assume that he does. Is Stubbs' consciousness in the sublime? Mm -hmm. Is Stubbs in the sub? (laughs) <laughs> i was like i know where this is going i don't know how you're going to get there nicely done you're welcome nicely done um the the last thing i'll say about the christina storyline that i think is like i'm intrigued by the idea because there is this religious concept uh that uh god has created and destroyed the universe very like many times you know i think you've mm-hmm. you might be familiar with this idea uh, very vividly illustrated in the Darren Aronofsky film Mother, actually, um, mm-hmm. if you watch that movie. And so the idea of like destroying the world and recreating it is like a, it has very like religious roots. 
and mm-hmm. the, the that a show would even try to tackle something like that. Again, I cannot fault it for its ambition. I wish this episode was not such a mess. Um, but I like the the concept, the idea. It intrigues me, and I'm like, mm, what are they going to do with that? You know, that's that's kind of what my reaction is. But at the end of the day, Siddhanth, the season finale was not great. But I think this mm-hmm. has been the strongest season that Westworld has had in many years since season one. I would argue. Yeah, and. It was very much worth the journey for me to go through it with you and uh, with our listeners who I've really enjoyed getting the emails from. We've read like every single email and they've all been very fun and, and entertaining. Um, and uh, we're going to try to continue this journey with TV, you know, at decodingtv.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and if there is a Westworld season five, probably we're going to be back covering it, you know, is my guess. So, yeah. And but uh, you have any closing before we thoughts? head out, I actually, yeah. sorry, go on. Uh, I was going to say, do you have any closing thoughts? I do. I actually wanted to plug something really quick that I'm yeah. really excited to talk about. Um, for once, I have something to plug that is very, very Westworld related. I actually recently for IGN interviewed Jeffrey Wright about his role as Stubbs. Uh, whoa, gosh, no. About his role as Bernard. I've got Stubbs <laughs> on the brain. About his role as Bernard. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For IGN this season. Boy, I messed that up. Um so yeah, go, go take a look at that. But uh, more importantly, like you know, David has been saying, we will be back really soon uh, for our first recap under the new, you know, conceptually the new version of this show, uh, which will be She-Hulk Attorney at Law. Indeed. And uh, I'm really psyched to talk about it with Siddhanth, and we hope you'll stick around on that journey. Uh, keep it subscribed to this podcast. And if you want to support this podcast, go to Decoding TV. Dot com. Find us on YouTube at decodingtv.com slash YouTube. Thank you so much to everyone who's been with us for this season. We hope you'll continue the journey with us. We'll see you next week. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.